Let's let's get going. Hello and welcome to episode two of One Cardinal, One Cub, and One Beer. And uh, yeah, JJ has his beer out. Have you opened that beer? No, this is uh, this is sacred. This will just be like this forever, probably. <laughs> sacred beer, okay. Sacred beer. All right. Um, I, I do want to bring something up. Uh, JJ and I were just talking when we started this. We kind of had a goal that the first episode that we would have a certain number, which was kind of low, and I don't want to get into the exact number. Uh, we have went five times beyond that number with our first week. Now we do this as a YouTube channel and we also do it as a podcast and the the platforms for the podcast are Apple, Google, Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify, and probably a few other minor ones that, that I may have forgotten about. Um, But the, uh, the response has been great. And so I implore you, if you have friends that are baseball nerds, because let's face it, this isn't for your average person. This is for your baseball nerds. If you have friends that are baseball nerds, uh, have, have give us a, a, a shout out, check us out and see how we're doing. Also, if you want to communicate with us, there's a few ways you can. Um, number one, and this will, for those of you who are watching on the YouTube, you can see it on the screen. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, you can reach us by email at one card, one cup, one beer at gmail.com. And I do want to let you know that is the number one, one card, one cup, one beer, no spaces, nothing in between at gmail.com. So uh, kind of excited. Uh, JJ, how you doing? Doing great. Having a blast. I got a lot of positive feedback out there. Uh, one of my doctors at the VA, him and his wife had supper on Thursday night hooked up the phone to their TV and watched one cardinal, one cub, one beer came in the next day, said they had a blast. And earlier in the week, he asked me, when's the next one coming out? So I've run into people all over town or they phoned and they just had a good time. And uh, really this is a podcast for fans of baseball of the Cubs and the Cardinals. And uh, we're just glad you came along. Yeah. It's also a, a podcast for people who like to look at handsome men. Let's well, face it. I mean, hey, hey. <laughs> after a few of these a little more handsomer okay yeah <laughs> what was it the uh, dirt chief for uh those of oh, you in yeah. Los, remember the dirt chief oh, dirt chief the chicken yeah yeah the the more remember the more she drinks the better you look uh, yeah. oh yeah that's our motto yeah that's right jj tell us what happened with the cardinals uh, oh. from september 19th through the 25th oh yes the, this week in cardinal baseball well we were going to the West Coast. We just were home for the week. We had a good home stand, a decent home stand, and we're going to the West Coast, and we're going to see what we're made of. We're playing the Padres three and the Dodgers three. Well, Monday we had a day off. Thank goodness, because we got shut down on Sunday. And actually, once we scored, uh, once we won the first game of the double hitter Saturday, we didn't score the last four innings. And then the nap, the nightcap sat that Saturday. We only scored one run in 11 innings, and it was when Kisner ran out of the baseline, and we'll take it. It was a cheap win, but we'll take it. <laughs> Shut down on that Sunday, three to nothing, and uh, we only got two hits, and it was looking pretty. So we start this new week. We get a day off. Thank God. We're going to play three for, with the Padres, and um, they're desperate. They're fighting the Phillies and the Brewers for those last two playoff spots, and depending on the day of the week, uh, the Brewers have always stayed about a game and a half back, but the Phillies and the Padres are flipping back and forth. Yeah. Well, 
Well, on Thursday or Tuesday, which is September 20th, we lost to the Padres five to nothing, and we only got five hits and we had five strikeouts, which is better. We've been striking out a lot. And the Cardinals have been living by the home run. And uh, that's basically it. We've been, uh, if we don't hit a home run, we're in trouble. Well, in that game, we only got five hits. We were shut out. Um, Wayno has been dealing with a dead arm. He only went um, uh, three innings. Uh, it, it's, it was kind of looking. So anyway, we need Wayno to get back because he is the heart and soul of our pitching staff. But we lost five to nothing. Wednesday, the 21st comes along and we lose the Padres one to nothing. And we run into Blake Schnell. Now, I don't know. Blake Snow had an incredible game, and I don't know if it was because he's so good or the Cardinals were in a slump, but uh, my goodness, he went seven innings, only gave up two hits, two walks, and he struck out 13 Cardinals, and we're kind of a strikeout team anyway. Michaelis did have a quality start, and he went six innings and gave up no runs. Uh, so on the year, Michaelis is 11-13 and 13 with a 3.35 ERA, which is pretty good. And with our defense, I think he'll be successful. And then – and uh, it, when we get to the playoffs, he will be one of the three starters in that first round. So Thursday comes and uh, the Cardinals win five to four and we needed to win desperate. So we salvaged the last game of that series with the Padres and uh, we had went 46 innings and only had scored one run. Wow. Well, new, I know, I know. And people on the talk shows where we had to call them off the rooftops. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could hear the people join, jumping on and off the bandwagon. And the start, some of the people start jumping off the bandwagon. Well, Newbar hits a home run in the fifth inning. All right, we're on the board. And uh, Do- and Osborne, who's been great for us all, or Donovan, I'm sorry. I, I'm confused him with Donovan Osborne. Donovan, our utility guy, hit his first grand slam, and we win the game five to four. It was still close, but we, we salvaged that last game. So, okay, we get out. Of, and the Cardinals have always historically had a rough time on the West coast anyway. Yeah. I mean, since I've been a fan, seventies, eighties and nineties, we go out there and just get killed usually. So we go now to the only, now we're heading out to Los Angeles to play the best team in the national league, the Dodgers. And the first game, basically the 23rd is the Albert Pujols game. And uh, a lot of people didn't get to see that game because it wasn't televised except on Apple TV. And, uh, yeah boo exactly a lot of people have been complaining about that it's kind of sad i saw a lot of the replays and everything but he hit 699 and then he hit 700 and um we're going to talk we're going to we're going to break down the numbers later on that 700 but albert had two home runs and five rbis and the cardinals won 11 to nothing and we had five home runs that game see again cardinals are kind of living and dying by the home run quintana got a, a quality start and i did want to say this I give the Dodgers fans and team a lot of respect. They stood at the, on the dugout. They applauded the fans, give Albert a standing ovation. Um, it was just a special time. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not shy. I, I had tears in my eyes when he hit 700. I did. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was driving to work. I worked midnights on the weekends, and I went about two miles, and I had a little tear running down my eye. Um, so then Saturday, it's back to normal. <laughs> um, we lose six to two and we lose to Kershaw. And I tell you what, he, it's kind of weird. He owns us in the regular season, but we can beat him in the playoffs. There's something yeah. about it. He has a little trouble against us. Montgomery did not have a good start, but our bullpen Hudson and Stratton uh, went five strong innings. So that was, that was a, a plus. And Arenado got his 30th home run and his hundreds RBI, which, 
if you told me that at the beginning of the year, you always take those numbers and playing world-class oh, yeah. defense as well. And then the rubber game, uh, the Cardinals on Sunday, they lose four to one and Wayno pitched again. He's still dealing with that, that sore arm. Uh, I heard him on the radio today talking about, he thinks it's more of a mechanical thing because he got hit with a ball in Atlanta and he's never been quite the same since. Um, for the week though, we go two and four in California. That's not good. But a uh, lot of highlights. Pujols was named co-MVP or co-player of the week. Newbar hit 400. So he, he's made himself a force. But the bad part of the week is our catchers had 21 at-bats and one hit. And I heard there's a writer for St. Louis named Bernie Nicholas, and he said with the DH, the Cardinals ought to let their pitchers hit and DH for the catchers. And I kind of think that might be a good idea because I think Wayno could hit 150. <laughs> so anyway that was it for the week two and four for the cardinals and uh i guess you know by now they clinched the division so oh yeah uh, that was and you know you know um there was a time when if the game was on the line and the cardinals are playing the cubs the last hitter i wanted to see come up it wasn't Pujols in his heyday or whomever uh holiday or Goldschmidt um, in recent years, it was Yachty because he's a big time crunch time player. But the last couple of years, I bring him on up in the ninth inning because he's going to hit into a double play. You know, uh, I you yes. know, kind of sad that he's kind of whimpering out at the plate, and uh, his defensive skills have diminished. But you know, that's that's relative. You know, diminished by his standards, he's still a great catcher defensively. Um, but to, I do think he's an elite uh, 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 pitch caller still. Oh, yeah, yeah. With all that experience, that still puts him in a high level, you know. I know he's yeah. not in the top ten catchers anymore, but he still is elite, and uh, he's like having a coach out on the field. So that's, yeah. what, you know. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of sad to see, you know, the wear and tear, how the bat has really slowed down with him. Um, he, he looks like a different hitter than he did, you know, just five years ago. But I, everybody – you can't, you can't buy the time unless you're Tom Brady, <laughs> different sport. So, all right. Well, let me tell you what the, uh, the Cubs did. What we did is we put distance between us, the pirates and the red. So we, <laughs> we are locking up right there. Third place. Yeah. Um, uh, on the 19th, we started the week bad. We lost 10 to three to Miami. Um, Miami can pitch, but they can't hit. Well, Wade Miley made them look like Babe Ruth. They uh, <laughs> finally pitched three innings and gave up seven runs, although only three of them were earned. Um, it was just a, a garbage game from the start. Uh, the only uh, highlights, uh, Zach McKinstry had two hits, and I think I brought him up last week. I, I, I'm kind of thinking that maybe he's going to secure a roster spot as a as – a, a utility infielder next year. Um, and Christopher Morrell hit a solo home run. Uh, Christopher Morrell uh, is going to get some strong consideration for rookie of the year. Uh, last night he had his 15th home run. So if he can hit it, maybe one or two more for the rest of the season, that's a pretty solid season for, yeah. for rookie. And being there's no rookie that's really standing out this year, he, he's got an outside shot at being rookie of the year. So um, I've been pleased to see him. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. In fact, I don't think he's ever going to be anything but a utility man. 
a Swiss Army knife. He can play the infield. He can play the outfield. He's fast. He can throw. Um, and he's got some 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 power to his bat. But um, he he's good and really good at a lot of things. But he's not great where he's I think he's going to unseed anybody in their starting position unless the Cubs stay as bad as they are. And God, I hope they don't stay that bad. But anyway, so the next night on the 20th, we did beat Miami two to one. The pitching came back. Uh, David Bodie, he drove in both runs. He had a home run and a sacrifice fly. Uh, Higgins and Chiros, Chiros, Chiros. I'm going to get that right. They each had two hits, but uh, Adrian Sampson, uh, just amazes me. Uh, he he pitched another six innings, one run, and we keep talking about him. We, you know, Cub Nation keeps talking about him as if, you know, he's just going to finish out the year and he was plugged in because we didn't have much starting pitching. But he's pitching his way into the conversation for, uh, for that fifth starter for next year. Um Albert Alzali, he had two innings pitched. Uh, he did get the win, and uh, Brandon Hughes recorded his sixth save. And then on the 21st, uh, that would be Wednesday, we beat the Marlins 4-3. to three. Uh, Marcus Stroman, six innings pitched, three earned runs. He did allow two home runs, but he pitched good. Uh, Keegan Thompson uh, came off the injured list, and he pitched the final three innings for the win. Uh, Keegan Thompson, who's a second-year pitcher for us, um, he is going to have a uh, third or fourth starter uh, locked down next year. He's actually 10-5 and five with, a, with a pretty bad team, and he's got an ERA that's under four. So uh, he has impressed me. And uh, Bodie, Hap, Wisdom all had RBIs. Wisdom hit his 23rd home run. Very In good. Fact, we're doing the podcast that night. I said, man, Wisdom. That, yeah, that's right. Um, the next night on Thursday, the 22nd, uh, we played the Pirates and we beat them three to two going into Pittsburgh. Hayden Wisniewski, I cannot say enough about this guy. Uh, we got him for Scott Efros because the Yankees were desperate for bullpen arms. This guy was in their minor leagues. He is a starter. So we we traded a reliever for a starter. And by golly, he has got some stuff. He's got, he's got a chance to be a really good pitcher. Uh, 6.1 innings. Uh, pitched. Uh, he only allowed two runs. And at the time, now this is Thursday, so I've got the Thursday night football game on, and I'm paying attention to the to the live feed on my phone, not not the video, just the live feed of what's happening. And I saw that Wisniewski had struck out the side, and uh, in the fifth. And then my son, who's in college in Kirksville, he sends me a text and he said, "Did he just pitch an immaculate inning?" And so I went. To the live feed, strike one, strike two, strike three, one, two, three, one, two, three. He did. He pitched an immaculate inning. So uh, very good. And Al Leiter Jr., he pitched the final two and a third innings, and he got his third save. All right. And pardon me while I turn the page. Oh, of course. Bob Seeger song, turn the page. (laughs) Also in that game, Bodie and Hermosillo had two hits. Morrell had two RBIs. And Hermosillo was uh, rewarded yesterday with his two hits by being DFA'd, so we won't see him anymore. <laughs> but, you know, it's like the only two hits he's had all year. He's hit about 100, poor guy. Uh, the next night on Friday, uh, the 23rd, we beat Pittsburgh again, 6-5. to five. Uh, Esteban Kuros had two hits and two RBIs. Patrick Wisdom hit his 24th, and he had two RBIs. 
Uh, Manuel Rodriguez pitched two innings uh, for the win, and Eric Ullman got his first Major League Baseball save. So that's awesome. Then on Saturday, uh, the 24th, we lost to Pittsburgh six to nothing. Once more, Wade Miley, four innings pitched, three runs, only one unburned, but uh, just doesn't seem to be having it down the stretch here. He's been on the injured list, and he's probably not going to return next year. And uh, <clears throat> we uh, only had five hits that game, got shut out by Pittsburgh. Oh, well. So wh- what do we do? We're the Cubs. We bury our heads, and we, we just lose like eight straight games. No, because we are the spunky Cubs. We are the spunky Cubs at the second half of the 2022 season. We beat those terrible Pirates 8-3 to on Sunday. Adrian Sampson once more, six innings pitch, one run. Brandon Hughes got a seven saves. Curios got two hits and an RBI. Ian Happ, two hits and an RBI. And Patrick Wisdom hit a three-run home run for his 25th home run. So for the week, very good. five and two against Miami and Pittsburgh. All on the road. Now, Pittsburgh is is pretty bad. Miami can pitch, so I oh, was yeah. happy that, that we uh, we went there and we uh, we outscored them and won a couple of those games because um, even though you know we we didn't have to face Alcantara, you know who who the oh. Cardinals kind of gave up. I know, yeah, such an awesome pitcher. We didn't have to face him, but by golly, uh, they've got some arms in Miami, and uh, you know I feel like we we're fortunate enough to uh, to take them. So. That was the weekend Cub baseball and Cardinal baseball, and we cannot put this off anymore. We have to talk about Albert's 700. I'm going to give you, Mr. Oh, 700 home runs. You know, it's often said the toughest thing to do in pro sports is to hit a baseball. And on top of that is to hit a home run. Vince, I don't know if you've ever hit a home run in your life, but it's incredible. I hit one over the fence in my whole life in a game. I hit two where I they overthrew people and I ended up going all the way around the bases, but they they don't count. An elite power hitter in baseball will hit 30 home runs. If you hit 30 home runs a season, you're considered an elite home run hitter. Um, so now uh, Albert's in this rarefied air, 700 home runs. There's only four players and all these players are very iconic and they got their different ways. Um, uh, Babe Ruth, of course, legendary. First five years was a pitcher. And then he kind of pulled baseball through the Depression and that era right there. Then you got Hank Aaron, and he played the Negro Leagues. And then he came up with the Braves. Benefited a little at the end. He passed them fair and square, but he benefited a little bit at the end with the DH. You know, he had the DH. Albert, uh, you know, benefited a lot with the DH. You know, he had us for 11 years, went over to uh, California for – for a nine and a half, spent about a half year with the Dodgers and then back to us. It was a DH pretty much the last few years. And then, of course, Bonds, you know, and he might have had a little help too. Who knows, <laughs> you know, but in it kind of breaking it down, there has only been 28 sluggers ever hit 500 home runs. And that's pretty impressive. Uh, you guys have Ernie Banks in that illustrious group of those 28 guys. Well, hold on, say that name again. Ernie Banks missed. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mr. Cub. Ernie Banks is in that list. Mr. Cub. Now, we have McGuire, but we really, you know, he did most of his damage with Oakland. But, uh, you know, he was a Cardinal. So McGuire is in that 500 home run group. But then when you get to the 600 home run group, 
it's only there's only five guys in that group and sammy sosa is one of those guys again another great cub (laughs) (laughs) well he had some big years that mcguire sosa thing i will spotlight sammy and there's it has nothing to do with steroids. Well, it has a little bit to do with steroids, but there's a reason that I, that there's a reason Sammy doesn't come back to Chicago and we'll get oh, into that. I did not know that. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and you got Jim Tomei, King Griffey Jr. Jim Tomei from Peoria, Illinois, by the way. I did not know that. I know Cleveland Indians is, you know, he played mostly with. Yeah. Uh, Willie Mays, one of the, maybe the best all-around baseball player ever, a lot of people considered. And A-Rod, I don't know how you feel about him, but he is in that that 600 club. And then the 700 club, only four of the 28 sluggers that have 500 rooms are up there, and that's Pujols, Ruth, Aaron, and uh, Bonds. Now, of all the active players, you got uh, Pujols. The next guy, this is how rare it is. The next guy after Pujols who's active is – Cabrera with the Tigers and he's got 506 home runs he's pretty much at the end of his career yeah you know and really none of these guys uh look like they're going to get 500 home runs Cabrera's already there except Mike Trout Mike Trout is number six with 347 and he's only 30 years old so he's got a shot if he can stay healthy but he's been get, he's been hurt the last couple of years so yeah it's tough. You got to be healthy. You got to be great. Uh, the breaks, you know, just, and now there's a DH though. So you can always be the DH, but I just, I do want to m- mention this 10 on the active players with home runs is, uh, is Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt's number 10 active player with home runs. want to give the Cardinals a little love there. So Paul Goldschmidt's number 10. Now on the Cardinal list, uh, stand the man, had 475 home runs with the Cardinals, but he played 22 seasons. And uh, Albert Pujols has 466 with the Cardinals in 12 seasons. So that just shows you how much a power here he was. And then uh, Kenny Boyer's number three with 255. So that's our top three power hitters. Yeah, a little note on Musial. Um, at the old Sportsman's Park, uh, right field had a that long uh, – uh, mesh going up that you had to hit it over uh because the right field porch was a little uh, a little close i guess like yankee stadium kind of thing yeah yeah so uh mutual could have had a lot more home runs and that's one of the reasons why mutual had all the doubles because he hit rockets off of that so uh you know a lot of it does have to do with what ballpark you're playing in oh definitely yeah. definitely yeah um oh and also, Albert is number two in RBIs as far as Cardinal history. And um, and at bats, uh, he's seventh. So that just shows you what a great player he was, was with, with his power. Those 11 years in St. Louis, I don't think people uh, realize how great. When, it, when you're watching it, you almost just sort of start expecting it, you know. So that's how good he was. And then um, he had seven 40 home run seasons, 40-plus home runs seven 40 plus home runs and seven 30 plus home run seasons. So you just have to be consistent, keep knocking them out to, to get up to that top. And I, the last thing I was going to talk about as far as 700 and Albert Pujols was usually there's a home run or a play you remember. And I even heard Will O'Donnell's podcast today. 
and he mentions the 700 home runs. And the moment he mentions is the same moment I'm going to mention the playoffs against Brad Lidge, uh, Houston Astros. I had never heard a stadium. The stadium was just rocking. Albert hits a ball that if they hadn't closed the roof, would have went completely out of the stadium. And it goes from, you couldn't hear yourself think to you could hear a pin drop. And I just remember the camera kind of scanning down the Astro uh, bench and you see Andy Pittock going, oh my God, is that ball just, I mean, it just, it was a rocket right out of there. So, and Brad Lidge was never quite the same after that either. I wrote a lot of stats down there on Brad Lidge, but his, he was still, he wasn't, he was still had a career for about four more years, but he was never quite the same after that. So anyway, yeah, seven hundred. I, uh, it, it was, it was almost like someone hit the mute button on the TV when the ball left his bat. I mean, the stadium oh, yeah. just dead silent. And, uh, there's a great story that when the Astros were flying to St. Louis to play, uh, I guess it was game six. Um, what kind of set them at ease is that the, uh, pilot, uh, said, if you look out to your right, you can see, I don't know, the Mississippi River or something. And so then if you look out to your left, you can see Albert Pujols' home run ball going by. And uh, a lot of classic. The, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of Astros players say, you know, it was that comment that relaxed and thought, okay, let's go, let's go win this game in game six. And but they eventually did. They that eventually was, that did. was a great moment when, when he hit that. Oh yeah. People still to this day talk about it. You know, anybody ask about, they always say, remember that home run? And that's the one they talk about all the time. Let me, uh, let me jump in with a, a stat that I think is amazing. Um, Pujols, you know, a slugger in this era, you know, this, this is the, the swing and miss era. He has never struck out a hundred times in a season. That's amazing. Twice he struck out 93 times, but for the most part, it's been in the 50s, 60s, low 70s as far as the strikeout totals, which is which is quite amazing. So when you think of Pujols, um, one of the reasons why he hit for such a high average while he was in St. Louis, he, he fell off the table average-wise in, in uh, Los Angeles, but uh, he, he, he was tough to strike out. I mean, he, he was a contact hitter. Um, it's just that, you know, his, uh, his contacts, you know, the balls would go 50 feet farther than, than your average hitter. I remember Jack, Jack Buck one time said getting a fastball past Albert Pujols is like trying to get the sunshine past a rooster. And I thought that was a great little line. He'd say that on the, on the air. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, he's, he's had an amazing career and I, you know, his, his, Nine years spent out in uh, Los Angeles. Um, yeah, he had the health issues. He had plantar flash fasciitis. I used to be able to say that, but it's I can't. A tongue twister. Because my wife thinks that she has it. She started twisting it. Now I. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, he started having health issues, um, and you know his his overall game diminished. Um, you know, his power diminished a bit. He, he still had some seasons. I think, I think uh, one year he did hit 40 home runs. Yeah, he hit 40 home runs for the Angels, 30 home runs, 28. Um, but, you know, his, his last, you know, four years in Anaheim, you know, you just thought he's done. And then, I hated to see that, yeah. Yeah, then, then he went to the Dodgers for a half a year and kind of picked it up again. 
And when the Cardinals picked him up this year, I thought, all right, well, you know, nice nostalgia thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I really didn't think he would be a contributor at this level. I'm sure nobody did, Uh, you know. um, What's he got now? 21 home runs? 21 Uh, home runs. There was a a bet. Who would get – would Albert hit more home runs or would Wainwright get more wins? And at one time, Wainwright had like six wins and and Albert had like three home runs, you know, and – but it was around June, everything kind of turned around. And they gave him, they put him in a good spot. He hit against left-handers, but then he started just picking it up and he got to play a lot then, you know, and he played some first base as well and tried to steal some bases occasionally. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing what a good divorce will do for your baseball career. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yes. That was a terrible statement. Terrible statement. Um, I'm not a big fan of his wife and, uh, she uh she told the christian radio station whenever they signed with the angels that that they were offended by the cardinals offering him a quarter of a billion dollars i, I thought yeah do you realize what you're saying here that rubbed a lot of the a cardinal <laughs> fans the wrong way it really yeah. did yeah, yeah he, he should have divorced her then <laughs> <laughs> you know what though it all worked out i hated him i it hurt us when he left i i missed him but i don't think we would have had the team we have now without if he left, I don't think we could afford, you know, Paul uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado and kept Yachty and Wainwright. So yeah, yeah maybe it don't work out best yeah, in the long run. His last year with the Cardinals. Let me see this. Oh yeah. I bet it was 2011. Great. He had 37 home runs and 99 RBIs, but it was the first year he had hit under 300. Now it was 299, Right, but he did, hit under 300 and the year before he'd only hit 312 only 312 but he was kind of trending a little downward at that time and i i think the uh the cardinals wanted to keep him and they were willing to pay the money but i don't think that they were like oh gosh it's just terrible i think i think there was a lot of a wow uh we dodged a bullet there we can afford to uh to, to keep a competitive team together and um, we're not dumping all of our money into a, a, someone who's starting to look like he's declining. Um, so I think it worked out really good for the Cardinals because he was gone for so long, gone in the American league, gone on the West coast where only baseball nerds like me are going to stay up and watch a West coast game. That's right. So I probably saw more Pujols games over the past 10 years than 99% of Cardinal fans because I watch baseball whenever. But uh, um, I I think that gap was good for him to come back. And there's been a lot of water under the bridge and a lot of, you know, forgotten. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's been amazing. And what are your thoughts? Do you think with this Renaissance, the last two months of the season, he's thinking, you know, man, maybe I play another season. That's a terrible. (laughs) Terrible. <laughs> I I almost thought you had him in there with you. I I don't think he's coming back. Every time they talk to him, he uh, he reiterates, "I'm uh, it's my last season." <laughs> I'm looking. I'm trying to do it now. It's my last season. I've enjoyed this. He's working with the young players. He said he all he said was, "This is my time coming into the end as a player." But I think I think there's I think he's going to coach somewhere. I think if he wants to, I mean, he's got enough money. He doesn't have to. But I just yeah. think he loves the game so much. I could see him being a hitting coach or 
something because he's he's worked so well with Yespas and Nubar, and they just love him. And uh, he has so much respect on the team and the other the other teams. They give him so much respect. You know, when he comes up, they tip their cap. I see that a lot going on. And I, you know, that's just good for baseball. I like good sportsmanship. You know, I really do go out, play hard, play hard as you can. If you knock somebody over, you knock them over. But in the long run, no cheap shots. It's just, you know, you, you tip your cap if they make a good play. So uh, I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the, um, attributes that he has that I think he has better than just about anyone else I've ever seen play baseball is his balance at the plate. He's, he's perfectly balanced. And when you have that kind of balance in your stance, you're less susceptible to being fooled by pitches. And he's so strong, he can wait and uh, wait for the ball to get on him and he, he's, he's got the uh, capacity to say, okay, um, this is a change up now, um, but I'm not lunging, you know, uh, just, just tremendous balance. Um, let me ask you this. Um, if you caught the 700 baseball, would you give it back? Well, I have this conversation. I have a really good friend, Troy Lou. And Troy Lou said, if I'm at the, if we're at the game, I'm going down in the left field bleachers and it's going to be like, you know, Thunderdome we're going after it. And I'm like, nah, if I get it, I get it. I don't care. I would, and I would give it back. Now I have a friend who would sell it, but I would, I would give it back. I would love just a picture, you know, maybe a sign ball. That's all I'd want. And I know that's probably, I don't know. I don't, I think I'm in the minority on that, but that's what I would do. Okay. You're a better person than I am because I would definitely, <laughs> I would, I, I, you know, if you want to buy it for two hundred fifty thousand, um, you've made three hundred fifty million in your career. But two hundred fifty thousand, I think, uh, for this ball, yeah. if it doesn't mean that much to you, then I'll put it on the uh, I'll put it on auction and I'll make a million. Oh that's, yeah, you would. would yeah. Oh yeah. So, but you know, like I said, you're a better person than I am. <laughs> no, there are a lot of people who are better people than I am. So, oh. It has been a it has been a ride this year, and uh, you know, even though I'm a Cub fan, and um, you know, um, I I probably cannot stomach another uh, four month, five month, six month celebration of the Cardinals winning the World Series, and me walking out in public like this, and hearing the taunts <laughs> and everything like that. Um, it has been a great ride to to watch him come back and not just be on the roster, but actually be uh, one of the catalysts for their for their drive to to get a playoff spot. So I don't know if you noticed, but like even on the bench, uh, Ali Marmol will sit and talk with them. Like a, they they have leisurely conversations on the bench. They're friends, uh, of course. Yachty and him and Wainwright. I mean, that's kind of special. And then the young guys. I think we got a bunch of good guys we've had 13 rookies make their debut this year so that's a lot of we're a young team except for those veterans and that's a lot of impressionable young players and those older players it's kind of the cardinal way showing them this is the way we do things and uh and even the the celebration when we won the division it was kind of subdued like okay we got it they had fun but now we got bigger things ahead of us it's not going to be easy. I'm not here saying, hey, we're walking through everybody. 
I mean, we could go out in three games, but it's just kind of funny. Every our fun is every day from now till we're out of it or win it all. It's going to be nerve wracking and exciting and back and forth. It's it's going to be a good time, you know. Yeah. It, well, good time to bring this up. Next week, uh, we will be spotlighting all the playoffs teams. Uh, JJ is going to look at the American League teams. I'm going to look at the National League teams, and I guess we'll we'll kind of make our predictions and. Uh, I will go ahead and make this bold prediction that the Cubs will not win the World Series. <laughs> okay. I'll put money on that. <laughs> oh, well, let's move on. We're going to look, and if you're listening on a podcast, you're going to have to use your imagination. JJ has a lot of memorabilia. And uh, we're going to start with a memorabilia piece that I have. Um, this is called a Damn It doll. Okay, my daughter Rebecca got me this, and what you do? Well, let me, let me, th- there's a little backstory. Those of you who are old enough remember the '70s. There was a craze for about three months where novelty stores were selling these things called TV bricks. They looked like a brick, but they were a piece of sponge, and you could throw it at the TV when you got mad at like uh, your sports team or a politician or something. Just bounce off your TV. A lot of fun stuff, and that's what the Damn It Doll does. Uh, whenever you're watching your Cub game and you get angry at something, you know, that, you know, Ross made a bad move or something like that, you throw the damn doll at it. Or whenever you're doing a podcast with a with a Cardinal fan who's driving you crazy because they're so happy because they're going to the playoffs, you throw the damn doll at it. So, so but I like it. It has some real memorabilia. Let's see what you got. Oh, this is my favorite part. This is fun for me. I'm doing bobbleheads tonight. All right. Uh, I'm going to go back a little bit. The first bobbleheads kind of popped up in the early 1900s, and they were kind of nondescript. It was just like a a kid in a Yankee uniform or a Cub uniform or whatever. And uh, they really became popular in the 60s. Uh, And then they kind of died out in the 70s, and you really didn't see them anymore. But recently, uh, they had an auction in New York, and... A normal bobblehead today is eight inches tall. Well, this was an oversized bobblehead of a Yankee nondescript player. There's only two of them known. to. It's like the the uh, Hornets Wagner uh, card is the rarest card. It was the rarest bobblehead. There was only two of these Yankee bobbleheads known. And it was sold in New York for $59,750. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of caught a lot of people's attention. Well, um, I was reading i remember the first bobblehead they had recently was 1999 it was a willie mays giant bobblehead and they were commemorating the 40th anniversary of uh, candlestick park i didn't see that one i didn't even know about that one but in the year 2000 uh the minnesota twins had a bobblehead night and that year they were averaging about mm, 22,000 people a game they had a Harmon killer brew bobblehead and 38,000 people showed up for this bobblehead. So I got online and I looked at it. And I said, oh, my God, this is great. So I called my college roommate, who's just as fanatic about baseball as I am, Larry Wildy, And he's a big fan. He thinks, he thinks you do a good job with the Cubs, by the way. I'm oh, just letting you know that. So, Larry, little shout out to you. I said, Larry, if the Cardinals ever have one of these, we're going. And, that, and, and in 2001, they had their very first bobblehead day. And we were out there. And the Cardinals didn't know how many people were going to show up. 
it was very unorganized. And when they opened the gates, people were just charging the gates. And, um, but the bobbleheads have changed a lot. So this was the very first one they had in 2001. That's why I'm sitting close. This was the uh, Mark McGuire one. All right. Now, if you notice, everything's kind of round. It does look a little like him. It's got his number and he's standing on uh, the infield. So that's pretty cool. Now, if you were a paying customer, this was the white jersey. But if you were a season ticket holder, you have the red jersey. And oh. now the season ticket holders get like a unique bobblehead. And there's only like, oh, there's only like 5,000 of those made. And they're worth a lot more than the one the public get. So anyway, that was the Mark McGuire. So I'm going to kind of show you the early ones. They usually had some sort of theme or a big event. And um, the Albert Pujols was the rookie of the year in 2001. Since we've been talking about Albert. Here's the old Bush Stadium. It's 2001 Rookie of the Year. So this came out in 2022. Even the back kind of looks fat. Now that looks a little like Albert. I'll be honest with you. If you showed me that, I would think it was Fernando Vina. It you know? does look like Vina. <laughs> it does look a little like Vina. But it's got the Albert 5 on the back. And so it's but, pretty cool. I but love the bobblehead is bigger than Vina. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So anyway, so that was the early bobbleheads, okay? So then they started making them for like three of, well, first of all, uh, yeah, they started making them for three events. If you were going to just honor a player like uh, Vince Coleman, it would have him leading off first base. Or um, Scott Rowland would have him fielding a grounder at third base and it have a little third base by it. So here are some of the ones that commemorate a event in Cardinal history. I don't know if you remember the playoff game where it was Chris Carpenter and Roy Holiday, and it was a oh, one yeah. nothing game. Maybe the best game I've ever seen in my life. The most exciting game. We scored one run in the first inning, and it was shutout ball after that. Well, here's the play that Carpenter made where he was sliding to first, and there's, oh, the, first, wow. there's the first base bag right there. I know that's kind of odd. It looks like he's a scorpion or something like that, <laughs> but it's the Chris Carpenter 29 uh, commemorating that play. And that's why I want Enos Slaughter to have that Mad Dash bobblehead. I also have, I got to be careful, I don't knock him off this thing. But uh, when David Freeze hit that home run and was the MVP, that's oh, him. That's ain't awesome. That, ain't that awesome? And it looks like him. So, see, the bobbleheads, the old ones were more round. And you really couldn't tell who, you could tell it's McGuire, the number and everything. And he, look at the, you can see the forearms. But the, this David Freeze looks just like him, you know? So I, I think, and usually the sponsor's name is attached to the, to the bobblehead right there. And that sponsor was uh, Amron. So the electric company put that one out. So if, if it takes them putting a little advertisement on it, I don't mind. But that's the David Freeze one. Of course, the day they had gave away these bobbleheads, David Freeze was there and they honored him and threw out the first pitch and that kind of stuff. And then another one that commemorates a certain time is the Whitey Herzog going into the hall of fame and it's even got uh, a little hall of fame plaque that he's oh, holding. Wow. Is that not cool or what? And it's got the uh, major league hall of fame emblem right here. He's standing on. So I think that is bad to the bone. He's even got a little beer gut. Look at that. El Whitey drinking a lot of Budweiser's out there. So anyway, those are the ones that, and I have, I, I've had 93 uh, Cardinal bobbleheads. I stopped with just the Cardinals. They're so popular right now that uh, other companies are making them, but I just can't get them all. 
And now they're having odd ones. Like they had shark week and they got Arenado riding a shark. I don't want that. I just want the baseball ones, just the baseball ones. Now, sometimes, so those are those ones. Sometimes it's like a lifetime accomplishment. Like next year, they're probably going to have a pool hole 700 uh, bobblehead. And by the way, the bobbleheads, uh, you're, you pay for a ticket, you pay for parking, you're probably buying some food and you can sell those bobbleheads. They go immediately. They go for about 40, 45 bucks. Easy. The stand usual is easily over hundred bucks right now. Uh, they usually make about 20,000 of them. So if you're going to get one, you got to show up to the ballpark early. You, if the, they open up the gate about half an hour and a half before the game, you better get there a total of three hours before the gates open. Are you not getting one? They've become very, very popular. Um, I'll tell you where there's a, a like a, a hobby uh, convention this weekend, and I'm going up there because I'm going to try to get the the three that got together now. But those are going for like $125 a piece. So I'm going to maybe trade some stuff and and get it down. But here's a few more. They have uh, Ozzy Smith with his 13 gold gloves, and they stacked all the gold gloves, and they have the year he won the gold glove on each of these. Is that not bad to the bone or what? And look how thin it is. Like Ozzy's a thin guy. So how, uh, how thin he is, his legs and everything. Now, uh, anyway, that is just one of my favorites right there. And he's in the uh, 80 baby blue Cardinal uniform right yeah. there, which you, you can't beat that. Uh, I hope I'm not going too long on any of this because this is my favorite stuff is the hobby stuff. Now, Vince, this one's going to hurt. All right. Remember, events are a thing they, they do. This is a Lubrock. And look, he took his cub hat off here. He's removing the cub uniform and underneath it, baby, he's got the cardinal uniform. <laughs> look at that. Oh my gosh. Lindenwood College. So you're not sending anybody to Lindenwood. Look at that. No, no, not now. <laughs> now he's not stomping the cub hat, he's just set it down. Because now he's got the Cardinal hat. Look at that right there. And look, the big old smile, a loose face, because he's coming down to St. Louis. That, that is a great one. And you can see, I think he was 24 or something with the Cubs. And then he's 20 with the Cardinals. So both of those are represented right there. I absolutely love that one. And I knew you'd get a kick out of that. I didn't get a kick out of it. I got angry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's one. Here's one for better feelings. Okay. okay better feelings. Okay. Yadier Molina won the uh, one year he won the Roberto Clemente Award, and that's for humanitarian things in your community, in the country, back where he's from. And he won it that year. They've been, there's been about six Cardinals that have won the Roberto Clemente Award, and that's one of the most prestigious awards because that's what you do off the field, you know, and a lot of the stuff we don't know about, especially overseas, they're doing things. And so Yadier's a, I mean, I love Yadier anyway. He's one of a kind. But it's Roberto Clemente tipping his cap in the pirate uniform. And then Yachty with the Puerto Rican flag. And uh, he's got his hat on backwards. And if you turn it, and there's a home plate right there. And uh, there's the both of them right there. I absolutely love that with the old style Pittsburgh pirate hat from the 70s. That is bad to the bone right there. And uh, Coca-Cola sponsored that. And as you can see, it says Roberto Clemente and uh, Yadier Molina. So now, does, does Jason LaRue have a bobblehead? Not that I know of. 
because I think it would be awesome to have a Jason LaRue getting kicked in the head by Johnny Coyne. <laughs> oh, 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 you, oh, you just had a sticker in there, didn't you? No, not that I know of. And I don't, definitely don't think it's that. The Reds might have that bobblehead. The Reds may have that bobblehead. Now, here's another thing that's unique. Uh, you they have they have special nights. Not only do you have to buy the ticket, but then there's a special night ticket. And there's usually a jersey. You meet the player. Uh, the players uh, honored before the game. So here are some of the uh, bobbleheads, and they're these are eight inches. These bobbleheads are six inches, and I'm not a fan of them. I just had a big conversation with a guy. And he says, "Oh no, they're great. They make less of them. They're worth more." I don't even care how much they're worth. I just I'm not a fan of them. But here's the Lee Smith. I brought this out. It's only six inches, and then you can see there's not as much detail to these uh, special night bobbleheads. And there's, there's, they, I don't know how many they make, but I think the others are 20,000 they have of those. And these, they may only have like 5,000 of these. But you have to buy a, even a special ticket, so the Lee Smith one right there. And I love Lee Smith. You know, He's equally great with the Cubs and the Cardinals. And then some of these special nights, though, they combine two things. And right here... For all you wrestling fans, they got a David Eckstein, and it was WWF night. And look, they got his sleeves off. He's showing off the cannons right there. He's got the WWF belt. <laughs> little, oh, I love David Eckstein. And he's in, a, he's in a ring, too. Little ring right there. So that's pretty cool. Now, the last thing I'm going to mention, because I could go on all night. I got 93 of these bad boys. But now the Springfield Cardinals have been having a lot of good bobblehead nights and i had a friend that used to go down there and pick me up one and i would buy it from her so here's just some of the ones they have and they have a different take on their bobbleheads i absolutely love them and here is the uh joe kelly who was a reliever and i don't know if you remember this moment but he used to play chicken with somebody from the other team after the national anthem he would stand at attention until the umpires made him get out off the field and he would they would say who would see could stay on the field the longest and that's the Joe Kelly thing from the World Series where he he wouldn't leave the field, you know. But Joe Kelly. Big Joe I, Kelly fan. Yes. he And he ended up going to the Dodgers and becoming, you know, becoming even bigger in history. Um, and, and he, even though he didn't pitch for the Dodger team that lost to the Astros in the World Series, he let the Astros know he did not appreciate their oh. cheating. And I thought. Boy, you've got all my respect in the world. He did so. the little crybaby thing when they were yeah. giving him trouble. Yeah. Um, a Cardinal that got hurt and had a so much potential. I'm sorry, this is a little dusty. And this is, again, the Springfield uh, Cardinal bobbleheads. But this is uh, Alan Craig, who played a big part in our 06 um, year, or two, uh, 2011. 2011. Yeah, and uh, it's, a, it's Craig... Number five, uh, they, they haven't retired Albert's number yet. So you still could, he's back now being number, but uh, there's his number right there. Uh, it's Springfield. So I don't know if you can tell because of the arm, but it says Springfield and it's got the birds on the bat and it's got the little uh, uh, Missouri emblem on the sleeve with the Cardinal in the middle of it. And the hat has the S and a yeah. single, single bird. I think those are really good. Uh, I like it. He's at the plate. There's a little plate right there. The last one I'm going to show, I'm only showing this because uh, this guy, he doesn't get mentioned. And as time goes by, he's kind of getting forgotten about. But um, after Albert Pujols, our big prospect that was going to come up 
and you know take over was Oscar Traveris. And Oscar passed away tragically in a car accident. I guess anytime you pass away, it's tragic. But um, he was so young and had so much talent. And there is the Oscar Traveris. He's got the sunglasses. He was good friends with Carlos Martinez. Um, it's got the, the S on there for Springfield. And you can see the Springfield on the jersey a little more there. Uh, these are great. Uh, I just absolutely love them. Don't give them, don't sell them. There's guys outside the stadium that'll give you $25 for them or five bucks. Even if you don't want it, save it, but save the box. If you, if you have the box, like here's the Wainwright box, it'll come in a box like this. It's kind of nice. I can't keep all 93 boxes. I don't have enough room, Yeah. but I've kept, I've kept some of my favorites and I really don't plan on selling any of them. And matter of fact, if it meant something to somebody, I just give it to them like the baseball. Vince, I know you would too, because you're such a nice guy. You would just give them the bobblehead. If it meant the world to somebody or, or whatever, I would probably just give them one. But I have 93 of them. I have little uh, China cases where you would, I guess in the old days, people with dishes and stuff in there. I have a little uh, AstroTurf with the bobbleheads on there. I got all the Larusa ones together and all the Whitey ones together. I know I got a problem. Uh, oh, hang on. With the, with the Traveris um bobblehead also also came a little card of oscar traveris so anyway if you're ever in springfield and i tell you what the cardinal minor leagues memphis and springfield it's a great atmosphere it's like old-timey baseball some of these guys will never get past double a AA or triple a but it's a fun time they have great giveaways but i would show up early there too because they make even less of them there but i have a guy i know uh, who always sees me at these card conventions. Oh, I'm going to mention that this weekend too. Uh, Orlando Gardens, north of South County on the outer road, there's a uh, place, a hall. And every month, these this group, the San Luis Cards, have this convention. And it's just a bunch of collectors. And you can go up there and trade or buy or whatever. And uh, they see when they see me coming, they start smiling because I got a problem. And they, oh, <laughs> hey, I got something to show you. Get over here, buddy. So anyway, that's my bobbleheads, and let me thanks for indulging me with the showing off some of my collection right there. Before we move to our next segment, I have two bobbleheads. Oh, I have Nolan Ryan. Is that Nolan? That's 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 Nolan. See the uh, back <laughs> okay. with yeah. the Rangers there, staying on home plate. Uh huh. The bat for some reason. I don't right. know. Um, and. Uh, I, I also have the uh, Empire Carpet Man bobblehead, so <laughs> I, I don't feel the need oh. to show that to you. But it's, it's, you don't need any more after that one. So we are uh, we're going to do our next segment, and we are going to talk about uh, one of our. You know, every now and then we're going to talk about baseball movies, and we're going to talk about one of our favorites. We probably my absolute favorite baseball movie. Mine too. Field of Dreams. Um, I am not a Kevin Costner fan. Because every movie I've seen him in, he's just Kevin Costner. He's Kevin I don't Costner. care if he's a fish in a water, like in Water World, or if he's, oh, uh, what's his name in The Untouchable? He's just Kevin Costner. Um, but even though I'm not a fan of his, I love this movie because everybody else gives such a strong performance, I can overlook him. Um, <laughs> first of all, um, uh, James Earl Jones um, is a uh, Terrence Mann, who's you know 
uh, basically J.D. Salinger, you know, uh, he, he kills the role. Uh, his wife, played by Amy Mag- Magadan, is, is very good, too. But the baseball players from uh, Burt Lancaster playing the aging player, uh, Ray Liotta, who just passed away, is Shoeless Joe Jackson, and the other players, they just capture that era of baseball and Field of Dreams. So before I even talk about the story, it does such a great job of taking you back to a time that no longer exists in baseball when the game was a lot more innocent. It was a lot more macho, um, you know, when they tell the kid, you know, well, you know, watch for the next one. It may be coming at your ear. That's the way it used to be. So um, before getting into the story, it just, I feel like I go back in time when I watch it. Um, But the story is a tremendous story. Um, Starting off with a guy who's in Iowa, who hears voices that basically tell him, hey, go lose a lot of money, you know, plow your corn under and make a baseball field. Now, there's only one person in real life I know that would do that. That's you, JJ. But I don't think anybody else is going to do that. But uh, he and his wife are, you know, like these, you know, middle-aged hippies, you know. So they, yeah, we're going to we're going to make a baseball field, you know, because voices are telling us to do this, you know. And as as it progresses, you know, the players starting with Shoeless Joe Jackson, more players come. Um, you know, of course, uh, there's that famous line, you know, Ty Cobb wanted to come out of this could stand the son of a bitch when he was alive. So, and uh, it, it's just, just a tremendous story. And then the way it, it evolves to where this is really not a story about Kevin Cosner so much as it is about Terrence Mann or the James Earl uh, Jones character. And it kind of shifts to where he's taken into that that ghostly world of the cornfield. And if you know anything about J.D. Salinger, that's kind of what he did. He just kind of ghosted himself into obscurity um, for probably the last 30 years of his life. And uh, so that that's gripping to me as someone who's a, a huge Salinger fan. And, you know, I... I made all my kids when they were growing up read Catcher in the Rye. Um, you know, most people are banning that book, you know, and I'm telling my kids when they're drawn, here, read this, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that's such a, a, a meaningful uh, plot of this movie to me. But then when it comes back around to where there's only one player left on the field, and that's his dad. Oh. It's, it's like... I, I don't know how you can cry, how you cannot cry. As, as I tell people, Field of Dreams is beaches for men. That's what it is. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yes. So what, what's your take on the movie? What do you love about it? Oh, well, it's uh, based on a book, Shoeless Joe. So, and as you baseball fans know, in 1919, the White Sox, basically through the world series to the Cincinnati Reds and eight of their best players got paid off. Shoeless Joe to this, you know, he, he couldn't even write. I don't think he could read, but he could play baseball. He's one of the all time greatest hitters. And 
in that series, he had probably the, I think he hit 360 in that series. He so had a good series. He had a great series. And if a guy was throwing it, he wouldn't have went out like that. Now they've got a good movie, another movie, Eight Men Out, but in it, the other player, but who knows what really happened. So it's kind of based on that. And my take on the movie is in the six, this kind of takes place where the sixties are a big pivotal point because that's kind of one of the darkest, craziest times in our history, Vietnam. It was, it was kind of the young hippie, young generation and the old generation just were at odds. Um, you know, you had the uh, civil rights movement, everything was just kind of going on and changing and all these people that was in the movie had a love for baseball when they were young but life seems to get in the way you know but no matter what you're doing baseball just continues to go and uh, like Terrence Mann was fighting for equality and you know civil rights and all this but in the in the movie it talked about all you ever want to do when he was young was play for the Brooklyn Dodgers you know and he was a pacifist that's a big part of the movie too and Kevin Cosner and his dad loved the game, but his dad kind of pressured him to play it. And his, his dad's hero was Shoeless Joe. And the thing that caused them to fight was he said, well, your hero's a criminal. And then they never were quite the same after that. So on this journey, I think it's really a journey to find out who they are. Cause they said, if they build, if you, they, if you build it, they will come. There's like so many quotes in this movie. So quotable every scene. This is one of my four favorite movies, my by far favorite baseball movie, but there's every scene, a good movie. Every scene is intricate to the, the theme of the, the whole movie. And every scene is so well done. So well written the acting. Um, I wrote down some of the actors. This, by the way, this is Burt Lancaster's last, movie he did a few tv things after that but this was kind of him at the end of his career and there's a and uh, that scene with him and um, kevin walking around the town at night uh that was filmed in uh galena illinois that, that it made it look like an old i guess 1950s town you know yeah and they talked about because moonlight graham was an actual guy who only played in one game and he never got to bat and um, there's a little mystical stuff where they run into the younger Archibald Moonlight Graham and they take him to the field. And it just seems like the people who were bitter or just had their lives were more on other subjects. They couldn't see the players, but it was once it was like, there's an innocence about the game. And if you were kind of had, a, I don't know, this heart in your heart, you had a little innocence. You could see those players, the purity of, of the game and all that. And, there's a, a scene that Vince, I probably can't even talk about it without crying, but it's when uh, Moonlight Graham comes off the field because the little girl's choking on a hot dog. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just, that's a beautiful scene. And then the guy who was telling them, you got to sell your farm. You got to sell your farm. All of a sudden he looks up and says, well, where'd where all these players come from? Yeah. And he can see them then, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Timothy Busfield. Oh yeah. He got his start as Poindexter in Revenge of the Nerds. Well, I know. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, man? Um, yeah. the, the voice, too. The voice. A lot of people don't know who the voice is. And it's never been really identified who the voice was. Some people think it was Kevin Cosner. Um, some people think it was uh, Ed Harris, the husband of a Amy Maggot, and the, the, who played his wife. 
So we're not really sure who that, or Ray Liotta. It could have been Ray Liotta. So those 1919 White Sox are come uh, out of the field and bring some other people. There's Gil Hodges, there's Smokey Joe Wood, a lot of those players. There's a few, just barely mentioning who they are. But that's really not important. I think it's important that's the 1919. And by the way, the house and the and the cornfield, do you do you know who owns that to this day? Do you know who owns that? Does Frank Thomas own that? Frank Thomas. And she'll like it too. That Frank Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I think that's very cool. And I think that's one reason the White Sox play. They, now they have a game there to honor. I think it was the anniversary, some anniversary of the movie, because it came out, well, it came out in 1989. It took uh, $15 million to make, and it made $84.4 million. But back in those days, the DVD would come out, or the VHS tape, I think it was VHS back then, and people yeah. would buy the movie. So I had like a second win. But this movie, even though it didn't make $100 million, it's a cult classic. You can go up there to this day and take a tour of the scene of the set and go out and play, have a game, you know, you want to have a game of catch. That's one of the phrases from the movie too. Just walk out there and have a game of catch. They've had two games out there. The white Sox were the first one against the Yankees. And I think that's why they did the white Sox game because Frank Thomas owns the house and it was a 1919 white Sox. And then of course the cut, I would have loved it to have been Cubs and the Cardinals in the second yeah. game. They kind of dropped the ball and that would happen to the Reds and the Cubs. Not against the Reds, not against the Reds, but the Cubs and Cardinals would have been so great. Coming out and they wear the old 1920 uniforms. Oh, that's classic. Yeah. That is classic. So um, that's pretty much. Oh, the soundtrack. There's a great soundtrack. Um, they've got Jessica by the Almond Brothers is in the movie because they're 60s hippies, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Daydream by Love and Spoonful. Uh, crazy, the uh, the Willie Nelson song, yeah. But it's but it's sung by Beverly D'Angelo from Vacation Fame. I don't know why that is, but that's okay. Um, the Doobie Brothers, China Grove, and when they're in that VFW bug, they're playing China Grove. Yeah, even even their 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 uh, uh, VW van is straight from the sixties. Oh. So cool definitely definitely and anyway so so that's my take on the movie i absolutely love that movie i recommend it to anybody and uh, i usually watch it once a year just yeah it 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 does have it's got some really good humor in it um like uh when he goes to uh kidnap terrence man and uh he said i got a gun he said no that's your finger said no i've got a gun well let me see i'm not going to show you my gun (laughs) He says he's going to beat you with it. He said, I'm going to beat you with a crowbar, too. And he's coming at him with that crowbar. And he back up because you're a pacifist. He goes, shit. And he, <laughs> yeah, I am a pacifist. That's right. And, and they're, they're, they're at Fenway Park. And so Kevin Costner asks, asks him, what do you want? And he goes on this tirade about, you know, he wants society to do this, you know, blah, 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 blah. He goes, <laughs> no, what do you want? They're standing at the concession. Oh, a dog and a beer. Okay. <laughs> all right we need to wrap this up and we're gonna wrap the way we always do yes what are you opening today i i switched up this these are the classic tops 2022 sets ah and i had the heritage ones that looked like the 74s last time i bought they come in a pack where you get two packs because 
it was five bucks and there's only five cards in a pack cards have they've kind of went up a little bit yeah. so i bought two packs so i can kind of share those with you let's see what i got here anything big i got uh andre jackson who just got sent down to the minor leagues he <laughs> just got sent down uh, let's see uh i'm terrible with names but this arizona player that's really good and i know a lot of cardinal fans were talking about hey let's get this guy Cattell Martel, Martel, Martel yeah. from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, the cards have a really good picture, and then they've got the uh, logo right here, the player, and then the logo in the picture. And Tops always has your bubblegum stats on the back, you yeah. know, all the big stats. None of, that, none of that new statistics that they're keeping track of and all that stuff. Um, a future star. Oh, the Herrera from the, from the Brewers. Yeah. Right there. Um, uh, a commemorative one about the Dodgers moving on in the playoffs, going to the World Series. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see who it is. Uh, Mitch Moreland. Uh-huh. He's with the with the A's now. He's he's kind of traveled around a little bit. He's had a nice career. I got a little glare there. I'm trying to. That's a good spot. There he yeah. is. Um, Dad was a former Cub. Former Cub. Okay. Oh, this guy here. Okay, they got a feature here called Future Stars, and it's Alex Manoa from the Blue Jays. And this kid, he slowed down a little bit, but I think this is the kid to look out for right here. This kid, uh, he if he ain't the race right it's now, he will be soon. Uh, they got a Tampa Bay Devil Rays card. Oh, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay Rays. They took the devil out of the name right there and on the back it's really the team leaders pitching and hitting so that's that's pretty cool um let's see oh there's a cub and help me with the uh, pronunciation it's frank's swidel schwindel schwindel he's been dfa'd about a month ago he got dfa'd so he's no longer a cub well i spent five bucks and i got about 17 cents in cards right there manoa was the big one in that pack i would say well, I'm opening up a classic Dondrus. Ooh, and yes. If you can see, there is no date on this, front or back. So I have no idea when this came out. So I will open it up. Is that the ones that had the puzzle? There was like, yes, each yes, ah, the puzzle. Yes. This, this is featuring a Willie Stargell puzzle. Oh, very nice. And uh, Willie Stargell was uh, one of my friends growing up, was his favorite player. So I uh, heard a lot. My golly. Now, this is uh, 1991. Okay. Because the last year's like, I got Greg Gagne again. I got him last week. <laughs> wow, amazing. Former Cub, Derek Bell. Oh, yes. Derek Bell. Is he a blue, he's a Blue Jay there, though, isn't he? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Barry Bonds. Yeah, as you can tell, that's 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 before the bull semen. So, <laughs> uh, still with the pirates. Uh, a guy from, uh, I think he's also from Peoria, Illinois. Uh, Kevin Seitzer, uh, who had a great rookie season for the Royals. Uh, I think he had like 230 hits his rookie year, and then just kind of dwindled after that. Uh, Dante Bichette, oh, who yeah. plays for the Blue Jays. Dante Bichette had a nice career. He was a rocky in that that. Four guys that could just hit 30 home runs. The yeah. yeah Walker and them. With the Angels here. So this is his, yeah, this is his third year. 
in the majors. Uh, Lee Gooderman, tall pitcher for the Yankees. Mm-hmm, I remember him. Oh, and every Cardinal loves Wally Backman. Oh, yeah, Wally Backman. Yes. Him uh, and Dykstra was on base all the time. Yeah. Former Cub, former Met, Rick Aguilera. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember him. Uh, another former Met, Roger McDowell. <laughs> he was on Seinfeld. Yeah. Former Cub pitching coach, Chris Basio, when he pitched for the Brewers. Pitched. I did not know he was a Cub uh, pitching coach. Yeah, he was the uh, pitching coach when they won the World Series. Um, I didn't know that. He didn't get along. He, he was a holdover. So when Madden came, he inherited him. Madden really didn't like him. So Madden finally got rid of him. And then he went to Detroit and made some stupid racial comments. Oh um, and got fired. He's, he's he was a good pitching coach, though. So, uh, Scooter Fletcher, Scott Fletcher, former Cub, went to the White Sox. Oh, Eckersley, Eck, the Eck, Eckersley, Hall of Famer. Yeah, Kevin Morton. Who cares? I don't know him. I don't either. <laughs> Should be a Hall of Famer, Fred McGriff. Oh, the crime dog. Yeah, played for the Cubs. And, yeah, it's a, it's a shame he's not in the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. And uh, uh, the guy who made one of my all-time favorite defensive plays, he made it against the Cardinals when he caught the ball barehanded in left field, Kevin Mitchell. Oh, yes, the Giants. Uh. MVP and 89, yeah. So They and, had uh, Matt Williams, Will Clark, Kevin Mitchell. You couldn't get them out. They oh, killed they, you every time. They were great. Well, you guys got him out in the playoffs. So, <laughs> oh, now, now this is a puzzle piece for Willie Stargell. So you really don't see anything, but it does have his stats here. Oh, okay. Uh, Willie Stargell, Hall of Famer. He had 475 home runs, which is great, but it's not 700. Kind of puts out our perspective. 1,540 RBIs, uh, 1,195 runs. 2,232 hits and a 282 batting average. And he won the MVP in 1979 as part of the Pittsburgh Pirates to beat the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. Co-MVP with Keith Hernandez. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Well, that's our show. And I do thank you for tuning in again. Remember, next week we will be previewing the playoffs. It will be the last time that we recap the week in the regular season because the season's coming to an end. I always tell people that my mistress, baseball is my mistress, and every year when she leaves, I get very lonely. I get very lonely. And I, I have to talk to my actual wife. <laughs> so anyway, well, thank you for tuning in. JJ, it's been great. Good and, seeing you as always. Yes, and we will see you uh, next week, if not before. Thank you. Thank you.